Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Do we have any supermen in the house? Anybody? Who's enjoying the Superman series? I know it's been challenging for me, and uh, I'm excited. This is, this is an awesome series. Who, who saw the movie, the newest one? Do you want to go to the, the midnight showing? Oh, a bunch of people. Wow. I heard mixed reviews. I heard it had some uh, awesome action, and uh, there was even a little bit of a gospel message, but wasn't quite the iconic Superman that we're all used to. So uh, I'm excited to see it, though. It sounds like it could be a lot of fun. Who enjoyed it? Worth it? Redbox, maybe? All right. Well, guys, happy Father's Day. Um, I was tremendously blessed this morning with uh, some, some new, new garments for my day. So um, I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty excited about that. I wasn't expecting much because this week we just got a, a new dog. I made a new addition to the already perfect family. So that was great. And uh, that was kind of my Father's Day gift. And uh, we're having a lot of fun with a new puppy in the house. So uh, you have to come over and meet, meet Henry. Henry. It's officially Henry. We tried a few other names on, but Henry, Henry seems to fit. But uh, no, this, uh, the Superman message is uh, really challenging, and uh, I'm excited because I know that you know, coming out of Wonder Woman and into Superman, there's a, a big challenge on our church right now. People are feeling it, and I'm excited about what God's doing to challenge people, change lives, you know, break bonds, and we talk about Wonder Woman and Superman, it's a lot about power, and uh, you know, that, that's why these characters are so exciting, because they do have a lot of power. And I believe that's what God wants for us as well. So I'm excited about the message today. But first, uh, before we dive in too far to that, we have to continue the fun tradition here of the things that men don't do. So these I got from Pastor Ben and reviewed them. And I, I don't know about you, but I've lost my man card more than once in this list. Okay, a few guys. All right, all right. I'm not the only one that I don't feel so bad. But starting off, I will go one through ten, kind of run through these. Uh, number one, men don't, real men don't, ask for directions. They prefer to get lost and waste fuel. Now, on this one, I definitely lose my man card, because I just rely on my GPS all the day, like every day. Number two, men don't speak in text language, LOL. I refuse. Okay, ha-ha, H-A-H-A. It's one extra letter. What's with the L-O-L? Come on, just put ha-ha. It's, it... Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, all those, I don't do any of the text speak stuff. Uh, I'd rather use like actual punctuation and actual sentences and it may be, you may get like three texts instead of one, but there you go. Number three, men don't go potty. They go to the john. They hit the head. Maybe the men's room or the washroom, but they do not go potty. And I must admit, I've lost my man card on this one. <laughs> and it's the worst, because I work with a, a bunch of guys. It's a lot of testosterone. But I've got three kids. So I'm like, hold on, I'll be right back. I'll use the potty. <laughs> and I definitely hear about it. They're like, you've got kids for sure. Yeah, I do. Uh, number four, real men don't wear skirts unless it's a kilt. Number five, real men don't get facials, pedicures, manicures, or skin peels. 
You'd have to say it out loud, buddy. Number six, real men don't sit cross-legged unless you really got to go. Number seven, real men don't bathe in cologne. A little goes a long way. And that's pretty true. There's only a few guys that I know that do that, but a little goes a long way. I prefer deodorant. Number eight, real men do not have hands that are as soft as a baby's bottom. I like calluses. Yeah, some rough hands. I haven't asked my wife what her preference is, but that's all right. Number nine, real men don't scratch themselves in public. And you know that a woman wrote that one. And number 10, real men don't wear high-waisted jeans, which I don't know if I've ever seen a man do that, but I want to add to this, I don't think real men wear their pants below their butt. Okay, I understand a little bit low, like, you know, but come on, at least on the hips. I mean, come on, I'm I'm getting old, I'm okay with it. I like the one that Ben said earlier that said that real men uh, don't dye their hair. My wife, she's tempted me a few times. She says, hon, are you sure you're not going to dye your hair? I'm sure, but I think she wants me to because there's a lot of gray coming in, by the way. But I'm okay with that. I like it. So uh, Superman series, we talked uh, the first uh, two weeks ago uh, about where are all the supermen. And in that, seri- in that sermon, some great points about knowing what your kryptonite is and running from that knowing where your power comes from, and knowing what the superpowers are. Uh, last week, we had a, an awesome message uh, from Pastor Ben about knowing, again, where your power comes from. You know, where do you download that power? And they've had some practice this week. Where does your power come from, men? Prayer, from the, power, from the prayer closet. But that's where real power comes from, is you download that from your Father. And that's where it comes from. It comes from where we're from, from the kingdom of God. And we can download that in our prayer closet and get powered up. And that's where your power comes from. So this week, uh, I'm really excited about this message. In fact, a little too excited at times. Uh, I think in the last year, God has been stirring this message in me. And I can say that pretty clearly that uh, sometimes in me, you might find a lot of passion uh, for my kids, my family, my wife, uh, for God and his kingdom in the church, even for what I do at work. I know sometimes I'll talk at work about uh, you know, how we can you know, do better to change more lives, and sometimes passion comes up, and I'll get like a little passion teary-eyed you know, at work, and, but, but passion wells up inside of me. And uh, I've probably cried more tears in the last year, and even this morning, I can feel it welling up, and so if little passion tears come out, just ignore it. Real men cry, right? But I want to talk to you today about supermen, real men, supermen know how to fight. Come on, that's exciting. This is the exciting part for men, because let's be honest, that's what we love about Superman. So... Let me start off with this. If you want to turn in your Bibles to John 2, 13. John 2, 13. If you turn there with me, 
it reads, The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured the coins out of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And then 1 Timothy 6.12, if you want to write it down, reads, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Lord, speak today in this message, God. I pray that you would make your word come alive. You would help me to uh, breathe your words, Lord. And that, God, it would be you who speaks to hearts, not me, not my voice, not my words, but yours would pierce the hearts of every man and every woman in this place. Because you're raising up warriors, you're raising up superheroes, and I pray that we would have a better understanding of this side of who you are. God, you are a warrior, you are a fighter, God, and I believe that is in you, and I pray that you help us understand that side of you, that facet of your character, God, today, that we would raise up a man of God to be superheroes for a generation in this city, in our community, in this church, for our families, and you would speak clearly today, and you would use me as your vessel. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. That's what we love about Superman, is he was made to fight. I mean, you have all that muscle, super ability, flying power, laser eyes, x-ray vision, flight. I mean, you got everything in Superman what are you going to do with it if you're just sitting on the couch? There's no entertainment there. There's no Superman movies with Superman just going to work and sitting on the couch and coming home and playing video games. Right? But what excites us about that? Why is the men love action movies? Why is the men love Superman? They, men are attracted to heroics, to men of action, who are called to a purpose and a destiny and fulfill it and fight. But oftentimes we live it out through movies or through video games, or we read the news, or we maybe just read a book about someone who accomplished a lot and think, wow, that's awesome. I admire that guy. But I believe every one of us is called to be a fighter. Every one of you men is called to raise up for a purpose, for a fight, for a destiny, for a calling. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We've got a God-ordained battle and every, every man's going to fight it a little bit differently, but I really believe that we need to come to terms with the fact that we do have an enemy. There is an enemy, and it's not your spouse. It's not your boss. It's not the government or our government leaders. But there is an enemy in this spiritual warfare, and Satan wants to distract your God-given battle. Satan wants to pervert your God-given battle. Or he wants to replace it with a different battle than the good fight of faith, the God-ordained battle. But you have one. You have a battle to fight. But Satan wants to distract you. Like, like a runner winning a race, like Ben said, the sin which so easily ensnares us as we're keeping our eyes on the prize, we're, we're 
we're pulled aside, we're distracted by something else, whether it's women or partying, indulgence, sin, the sin will ensnare you and keep you from that prize, that race that you're running to win. When Satan tries to replace your fight, when God's told you to fight for your church, for your family, for your community, for salvation, for the souls of other people, we're fighting everything else. We're fighting to, you know, we're fighting for our our uh, traditions, we're fighting for our businesses, we're, we're fighting for other things that, those might be good fights, but that's not the one that God gave you. You know, saving the sea urchins in Venezuela, that's great, but is that your God-given fight? You know what I mean? You've got a God-given fight, and we're always fighting something. We're fighting for something, but it's not always the good fight of faith that God has called you to. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the God-given fight, the spiritual battle that we are prepared to fight. And we need to recognize that fight is real, that we have a real enemy. Because if you drop off a soldier in the hottest part of uh, Afghanistan where there's terrorists, it's foolish for him to cover his ears and his eyes and, I don't think they're really there. I'm not really going to fight. I'm not really in a war zone. You're, you're dead. Okay. Face the facts. You're in a fight. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. You're in a fight. I'm sorry. <laughs> you got dropped off here. You're in a fight. You don't have, you don't have an option here. If you don't fight, you're, just, you're deciding to lose the fight. You're giving up before you even recognize there is a fight. But I'll be honest, sometimes, even for myself, and this is real, sometimes you have to get beat up before you realize there's a fight. I got beat up. I, I, I had to suffer some pain and some death before I learned how to fight. And so for some of you, I'm sorry to say, that may be what it takes for you to get a fight in you. When you take a couple of punches, some people are ready for the fight. They say, okay, I'm ready, let's go. You know, you can see them coming on. For other people, you don't even realize it's coming until you get clocked. You're like, oh, wow, I'm going to fight. <laughs> I, I was in one fight once. Those of you who are laughing probably heard the story or may have been there. So this man, the fight came out of me, right? Someone at basketball games kind of pushing around pastor. Man, that's my pastor. Better back up, right? And I'm thinking I'm pretty tough with this, like, you know, 55-year-old man. And then I realized that his son, the pro MMA fighter, was behind me. So where I thought I was going to be all big and, and tough, I got tackled from behind and got ground and pounded and got my face beat in. So I was surprised by the fight there. And I didn't win. I mean, I got up, brushed it off. Pass me the ball. I need a sub. <laughs> you can ask Ben. It was bad. I should have I got a picture, Dan. I know I got it somewhere. Big black eye. The, the policeman called me later when I pressed charges. He says, hey, you know, do we have to, you know, does he need to reimburse you for any medical stuff? I'm like, he can reimburse my wife for her makeup. <laughs> <laughs> we need to recognize that we're in a fight. We need to recognize it before it comes, otherwise you will get beat up, and hopefully that will bring the fight out of you like it did for me. But First Timothy says, fight the good fight. Take hold. It's important for us to take part in this struggle. A fight is a violent struggle involving the exchange of physical blows 
or the use of weapons. I'll be honest, guys, this is tough because this isn't a message you want to hear. This is one that gets you out of your comfort zone, okay? Because we want to be comfortable in this culture. We as men, just people in general, ladies too, we want to be comfortable. We want to sit back, relax. We don't want to have that tough conversation. You know, we don't want to get down on our knees. We don't want to fast and pray. You know, we don't want to put in the hard work in our business. We want to scrape by and do what we can just to kind of make ends meet. But the real men are going to rise up. The real men are going to accomplish something. The real men aren't afraid to get bloody, to get hurt in battle, and to go back in and download some more power and go back out to the battle. But there's a reason why they're willing to go through that. Because no one's going to suffer through that pain without purpose, without a reason why. Number one, as we look to become warriors, you have to have a reason why. Why are we willing to do that? Why are we willing to get bloodied up, beat up, get out of our comfort zone? Why are we willing to endure some pain momentarily? Because you have a vision. You've got a vision. When Jesus came in to the temple and he saw the merchants, whether it was, you know, corrupt weights, whether they weren't there really to worship God, I don't know why there's a lot of reasons why he got angry, but he knew when he walked in, I'm going to my father's house. Boom, whoa, what is this? This is not the way my father intended this house. This is not the vision of what my father had in mind. This is not the house that I'm settling for. He had a vision of what that house is supposed to look like. And too often times, men and women, we're missing out on the vision. We go day to day, week to week, back to work, go home, feed the kids, go to bed, get up, do it all over again. There's no purpose there. There's no vision. What are you here to accomplish? What is your house supposed to look like? What is your character really supposed to be? Not, uh, this is what culture says. This is what my mommy says I should be like. What does God ordain you to be in your character, in your righteousness, in your purity? What is it that is the the God-destined vision for your life? When your direction is clearly defined, decisions are easy. One of my bosses, Joe Jackson, said that. When your direction is clearly defined, decisions are easy. When you know where you're headed, decisions are made a lot easier. For a long time, I wanted to be a police officer. I look at Cody. I'm like, Cody, how was your week, man? Tell me all about your week, Cody. Oh, it's awesome. Tell me. Oh, I get excited. I loved it. I still do. I saw a policeman rolling down the, the street. I'm like, hey. Like, I, I think I would be a great police officer. And for a long time, I fought for it. I thought, man, that'd be great. I, I could love doing that. But then God refined my vision. When he opened up my eyes to my calling, I thought, man, that would be great. But you know what? I know that's not for me. And it was an easy decision. I got a call from one of the police chiefs said, hey, we want to go to the next level, hit an interview. I said, you know what? I'm going to withdraw my application. I know that's not for me. And that was hard, but I was confident. Because God refined my vision of what my calling is, my purpose is. When merchants try to come into your temple, into your house, with your family, are you able to say, no, that doesn't belong in my house? When pornography tries to sneak in, 
when jealousy comes in, when, when selfishness comes in, when gossip comes in to your house, do you have a solid vision of what your house is supposed to look like? When a lack of faith comes in, when dissension in your marriage comes in, can you recognize it? If you don't have a vision, you won't see it coming. You've got to have a vision that drives you. You know the decisions you have to make in your life. Should I take this extra job? Even good things. Well, that extra job is a good thing. It'll bring more money. Well, listen to God. Does that distract you from raising your kids the right way? Then no, you don't need it. What's the vision? What is the vision that God's called you to? That makes your decisions easy when you know the vision. Sometimes our vision's too small, and this is important to hear. We, we look at the vision and we say, man, you know, if I could just, my, me my marriage, if we could just make it till the kids are grown, Man, wait till my, you know, my teenage daughter, man, I can't wait till she's out of the house, if we can just survive. You know, oh my gosh, man, this year, financially, if we can just, just scrape by, get the bills paid, then, you know, next year things will be better. And we, we have this low vision, this low expectation of what God can do. Man, if I can just look at less pornography, just a little less, it, it just, you know, just a little less. Is that what God called you to? Are we lowering our standards? Single women, if, if, man, if I could just find a guy that just believed in God. I mean, he doesn't have to pray every day. He doesn't have to, you know, really be that involved in church, I guess. But if he just, if he just believes in God, are you lowering your standards? What is the vision that God has for you? When you lower the standards, it's because you're believing for the things that you think you can accomplish on your own strength. When you are basing it on your strength, yeah, I don't expect you to overcome that addiction. I don't expect you to heal your marriage. I don't expect you to, to build a lot of wealth and be successful in business because it's on your strength. Face it, guys, we're worthless without God. There's not a lot we can do without God. I know without God I'm wretched. My wife can attest to that. But don't lower the standard of what God has put in place for you. Ephesians 1.18 says that when you have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, you know what the hope is that he's called you to. The hope that he's called you to and the riches of his glorious inheritance. The vision's bigger than, than you can imagine. And the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. We're doing it on his strength, not ours. Don't be afraid to raise the bar. Don't be afraid to have a bigger vision. The promised land was awesome, but guess what? It was filled with giants. Don't be afraid of that. It's worth it. Don't be afraid of that. It's worth it. Number two, you've got to have a plan. When you have that internal compelling reason, something that brings out the fight in you, you've got to have a plan. When Jesus came into the house and saw this is not the way it's supposed to be, this, does, this conflicts with the vision that my father put in place. This is not my house the way I want it. What did he do? Is he the, uh, the ancient Indiana Jones, pull out the whip on his hip, right? No, absolutely not. He had to go out and make a whip. He put a plan in place. This is not like when you get an email or a text message from someone and you get angry and you're like, oh yeah, you think so? Send. Right? What's the rule? Wait overnight, wait a day, put it on ice, breathe a little bit, and hit send later. You know, make sure that you're not, you know, acting irrationally, okay? Jesus had time. 
I mean, he took his time here. Don't think for a second that he had the whip already ready. He said he made a whip. I mean, cords. Okay, there's some cords. Okay, I need some glue. I need some string. Like, I gotta make a, I'm going to make a whip. I mean, come on, that takes a few minutes at least, right? I mean, he didn't act irrationally here. He put a plan in place. I'm going to build a whip. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I think I'm going to overturn some tables. That'd be awesome. I mean, but he, he put a plan in place here. He put some thought into it. We need to prepare. This is the preparation here. As you get a vision, I mean, a real compelling internal reason, vision, purpose for your life, let's start putting a plan in place. Let's start preparing for battle. What does it mean when we start preparing and put a plan in place? Because success doesn't happen by accident, guys. I mean, if you're going to build a successful marriage over years, if you're going to build a successful business, it doesn't happen by accident. Even people that win the lottery end up usually blowing it all because they don't have a plan for it. You've got to plan for success. You've got to plan for victory. You've got to train. If you look at pro athletes, it doesn't happen by accident. Number one, get a coach. Just like any professional athlete, get a coach when you're in this planning phase. Get a mentor. Get a plan. Go to those who've already accomplished it. The best golfer in the, wo- in the world, Tiger Woods, has a coach. He listens to somebody else. If you're enlisting in the military, guess what? You've got authority over you telling you what to do, to train you, to give you direction. When you're living in a spiritual battle, submit to authority. I would not rather follow any other man than my pastor. If you get to know his character, is he perfect? No. But he is an awesome man of God who knows the vision for his life and for the city, for our church, and for his destiny, who hears the heart and mind of God. And that's a man I can submit to. And that's the man that I want to become for my wife, for my ministry, for my kids. You need to submit to leadership. Get a mentor. And you've got to seek it out. It's not always going to come to you. It's not going to come to you. You've got to be proactive and seek it out. The second part of planning, you better train. 1 Timothy 4.8 says, Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. Godliness has value. And we can train physically, get in shape. I'm working out with a couple guys in the morning right now, and that's great. We're getting, we're getting physically in shape. But you've got to train spiritually. When a fighter goes into the octagon, who's an MMA fan? Okay, they practice hundreds of scenarios. Okay, when he has you in this hold, here's your way out. When they throw this kind of punch, this is how you react. This is how you handle it. Every scenario is, is, is practiced, is planned, is trained. What about the scenarios of your life? When you go to work, have you prepared for that encounter? Have you prepared for that dirty joke? Have you prepared for the way that someone's going to talk about your spouse? Have you prepared for the way when someone gossips about your boss? Have you prepared for those scenarios? When a woman comes and flirts with you, men, have you prepared for that? Prepare for every scenario. Get ready for the fight because it's coming every single day. You've got to have practice. You've got to have training. You've got to have uh, training in godliness. You've got to have the right equipment. 2 Corinthians 6 talks about the weapons of righteousness for each hand. 2 Corinthians 10 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. How do you get equipped? Ephesians 6 is my favorite. When you get into your prayer closet, 
and you can put on that belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, and you can step out. Darn it. You can step out, and you're equipped for battle. You've got spiritual weapons equipping you for the battle for your day, for your, not just your day, but for your week, for your year, for your life. Have a vision bigger than yourself. Take hold of the equipment that's been given to you with the word of God, with the mentors around you, with the equipment you have at your disposal. You're given everything you need for this warfare. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a plan. And having that much feels really good, by the way. Oh, let's take a break for a second. I'm getting kind of emotional here. All right, so I've got a vision. Yeah, I could be a righteous man of God. That'd be cool. Yeah, I could have a beautiful wife. It'd be pretty sweet. She'd be really godly, too. Probably like a Proverbs 31 Wonder Woman. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Oh, man. Yeah, I think my kids should be godly. That'd be great. Man, how am I going to accomplish these things? I should probably be integritous. Yeah, that's a good plan. If I really work on my integrity. So, so planning that, I guess, man, what would be good? You know, if I got involved in a church, maybe went through next, that would be a good part of a plan, you know? I mean, really deciding what to do to make sure these things happen. You know, maybe get involved in a community group. Yeah, that might help, you think? Yeah, do you think if I, like, were surrounded by other warriors that I might get stronger as iron sharpens iron? <sighs> that'd be cool. Yeah, I should think about that. I should think about getting a mentor. Yeah, that'd be a good plan. I'm going to pray about it. <laughs> Man, if I want to be really generous and, and really see God's provision, I should probably tithe. That'd be a great plan. Because Jesus said that when you tithe, not if you tithe. So maybe I should obey that. That'd be a great plan. Wow, I've got a cool vision now, and I've got a really good plan. <sighs> so, what do we do now that we're equipped? We've got a plan. What did Jesus do? He threw aside the table. He started cracking the whip. Take some action, men. Follow through. Get some fight. What is it in your life worth fighting for? I mean, really worth fighting for. If it doesn't drive you to take action, go back to the vision. Your vision's not big enough. It's not important enough to you. Go back to the one who gives the vision. Go back to God. Get back in your prayer closet. God, what do you want for my life? If it's a big enough, most important enough vision for you, for your purpose, your destiny, your calling on this earth, it will cause you to act. It will drive you to take action. We look at Jesus and we see a picture of the shepherd holding the lamb. He's so soft, like my dog Henry. We need to learn about the warrior Jesus, the one who's cracking the whip, the one who said, if, there's, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, that's just graphic. That's, that sounds really painful. And I, I'm not comfortable with that. Pluck out your eye. Take some action. Get uncomfortable. 
Let's fight, men. What is in your life worth fighting for? I understand this makes you uncomfortable. My wife deals with this every day. But I'm being serious here that you've got stuff worth fighting for. Even if you say, well, I don't have a wife, I don't have kids. Well, do you think that they prepared to be in the octagon when they got in the octagon? No, you train now. You be a husband now in your singlehood. The, the, the church is your bride now. You serve your family, your mom, your sisters in Christ the right way. You practice for your marriage now. Make the plan now. Men, get a fight in you. And guys, listen, I understand. I come off strong. I don't say this because I've mastered it. This is something that God is working in me. I want to be clear about that. I've failed probably way more than I've seen victory. But it's when I got beat up that I realized I'm really in a fight. I'm going to learn what it takes. I'm going to learn what it takes. And there's men around you that are fighting as well. And you can strengthen them. I need it. I've got men in my house on Saturday mornings at 8 a.m., and they think that I'm there to help them get stronger. I've got them fooled. They strengthen me as I hear about the victories in their life, the way God's challenging them. Yesterday morning, I had five other guys in my living room, and men are being challenged right now. There's no doubt about it. And... They, I remember got a couple texts this last week, man, Brandon, I'm really having a tough week. I feel there's a battle going on, and man, it's been a really rough week. And these are men that I know are making, stri- they're making strides with God. God's challenging them, changing them. And they said, man, I've got a rough week. We get to group yesterday, and someone said, man, I had a really rough, I'm like, you too? Who here had a really rough week this week, like spiritually tough? Every hand goes up. And I said, great, the battle's on. The battle's begun, let's do it. Embrace the challenge, guys. This is where the fun is. This is where the adventure is. This is where Superman gets exciting. When we can fight for something. This is where we get to do battle. This is not, oh, this is hard. This is a perfect challenge to become a victor. When we fight, that's why guys love sports, okay? I know at the kiddie level they have these rules where no one really wins. We just kind of play for fun. That's not men, okay? Men want to play to win. When we got death and life on the line with your families, we play to win. We play for life and death because it says that the, the enemy comes like a roaring lion ready to kill and destroy and consume. And it's not for fun, guys. This is your lives. These are the souls of people in your community that need you to rise up as a superman. These are your, your wives and your children that need you to raise above the standard that we're living right now to fight for them. Date your wife. Get down in prayer. Lead a Bible study for your kids. I don't care how much you do or don't know. Just pick out a verse and let's explore it together. Initiate something. Take action. Get with your neighbors. I don't know much, but I know that God changed me. Let's talk about it. Initiate something. I'm, and listen, there's some guys that at the end of the day, you know, they're impulsive, okay? They, they take action way too much and they don't think about it. That's like 1% of us. For the rest of us, we need to hear this. You need to take more action. With my wife, I need to take more action in loving her and pursuing her. Most men in this culture, in this room, need to take more action. And I understand, we're afraid of mistakes. We're afraid of what if it doesn't work. It's not always going to work. You're going to have to adjust and bend and change things. James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it joy when you fall into various trials. 
count of joy when you fall into trials. This is an opportunity for you to grow. Don't run away from it. We want to run away and get comfortable again. I don't want to expose and confess my sin. It might not feel good. Okay, neither is losing your marriage. Okay, neither is losing your, your children to the world. Okay, have a vision worth fighting for. Get uncomfortable, men. Where James, where James reads, count a joy and fall into various trials, I like the way Ray Lewis says it. He says, love the grind. Love the grind. Yeah, this week's going to be tough, and I'm going to win. Love the grind. You have everything in your corner, every bit of equipment, everything you need, every mentor, every help in the Bible. You've got everything you need to win this battle. Don't be afraid to take action. Lastly, don't give up. Don't give up. Because on a daily basis, you're, you're fighting battles, but it is for a greater war. There's a bigger battle here. You've got to have a vision that's bigger than you can even accomplish on your own. It lets you rely on God. You can't give up in this battle. There's too much riding on it. And like I said, we run into a hard time when we start fighting this battle, and, oh, this is really uncomfortable, and I've taken this step, and, oh, it hurts. I'm going to step back. Like the Israelites, being like, oh my gosh, the promised land, it's great, but there's giants. Uh, let's, let's go back to Egypt. Don't give up. Understand what the promised land is, that vision. Understand it. It's worth fighting for. Israel had to go through the wilderness for years to be refined. Don't do that. Value that vision. Value that calling. Don't give up. You're going to run to hard times. You're going to have to fight. It's going to get uncomfortable. There will be setbacks. But like Paul says in Philippians, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call in Jesus. There's a higher calling than we're settling for right now. Don't be afraid to press on. You can't give up in this battle. You can't give up. You can't give up. The calling's too big. The destiny's too big. The rewards are too great. The rewards are too great to live a holy, godly life. These addictions, these chains over your life, they can be broken. The character that you don't like about yourself, I never called myself a man of faith until this year. Been years a Christian, I never said I'm a man of faith. I always said, like, I'm a realist. Not a pessimist, I'm a realist. I can honestly say that God's built more faith in me in the last year than I've ever had in my entire life. Whatever you don't like about yourself, you're, maybe it's your inability to take action, maybe you don't have a fight in you, seek God. He'll put his character in you and bring out the fight in you when you get that vision. I want to speak, I know I'm running late, guys, I want to speak real quickly to women. I want to, I want to encourage you here. Uh, I know this is a lot about violence and, and fighting, and that's good. You need to hear that, women. But honestly, women, you have an ability here that most people don't. Single women... You can help create more supermen. You have power of all of your own that men don't have. Single women, don't put up with immaturity. Don't put up with a man who doesn't have a vision. Demand something of these single men. Don't settle for less. You're too valuable. You're too valuable in God's eyes for you to show off skin to these boys. You're too valuable to give your bodies over to these children 
who aren't willing to lay down their lives. And I'm not just saying that they open the door for you, okay? I'm talking about Jesus dying for his church. Jesus died for the church. He today is still fighting for you, still fighting for your heart. He finished the job. When he went in the temple, he drove them all out. He finished the work. And then they asked him, how do you say you can do this? What authority do you have? He says, tear down this temple in three days. I'll bring it back up. And on that cross, he said, it is finished. He finished the work. Unless a man is devoted to dying for you, living his life for you, putting a ring on your finger, and committing himself to you for life, he doesn't deserve your body. Knock it off. Knock it off. You're too valuable for that. Make him demand something more of him. You're doing him a disservice and yourself. Married women, like Esther, you're put in this place for a reason. For such a time as this, you were called to encourage your husband, to respect your husband. Women want love, absolutely. Men, we want respect. Hands down, respect your husband. I can, I can honestly say that where you're at right now, no one can speak life and strength into your husband like you can, women, wives. If I have any Superman in me, it's in part because my wife <clears throat> spoke life into me. I've loved her more than anyone else probably, but without question, I've caused her more pain than anyone else. But through it all, she's respected me. She's always believed in me. She's encouraged me through the darkest times of our marriage. And if I have any Superman in me, it's because God used her. <laughs> Women, you have the ability to raise up Superman, strengthening your husband encouraging him. I don't care if he, for the very first time, initiates prayer before dinner, and it's, God, thanks for the food, amen. <laughs> if, that's, if he initiated prayer, thank you, honey, for initiating prayer, for leading our family. I don't care how bad the prayer sounded to you. Encourage your husband. Strengthen him. Puff him up a little bit. Honey, I love when you lead our family. My wife tells me way too often how good looking I am, and I know she's lying, but I love it. (laughs) 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 Women, you're in a position to create supermen, and I'm telling you, you want your husband, you want your future husband to be a fighter. And not to fight against you, men. We're not replacing our God-given battle with our wives. They are our helpmates. They are the one we fight for. Men, quit trying to womanize and conquer women when you're supposed to fight for them, protect them. Satan wants to replace your battle, but what is your God-given battle? What is the God's called you to? Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you, God, for this amazing message you've given to me, Father, and I give it to them. And I pray that you would speak your truth, God, that you would speak to hearts and you would bring clarity to men on their vision for their families. You would let their brokenness drive them, Lord, into your arms, into their prayer closet to seek your face and have a vision for their lives. Lord, that you're challenging men to raise up a standard for their lives, to take action where they haven't taken action before. Or maybe just not nearly enough, but God, I pray that you would rise up warriors in this place in the name of Jesus. 
I pray that you would remind us every day of the battle we're going into, that we would get into our prayer closet every morning and seek your face and get your strength. Be equipped with our spiritual armor to fight the battle you've laid out for us, God. I thank you that the battle is beyond what we can accomplish on our own, but we are determined to rely on you, God. You're amazing, Lord. You're a powerful warrior. We want to be like you. We don't fight against people, but out of love, we fight for people in Jesus' name. Like David, he was a shepherd. He shepherded a flock, but God, he fought the lion. He fought the bear. He fought Goliath. And Lord, we can be the shepherd, the pastor, the loving man of God that we're called to be. And Lord, you can bring out the fight in us when we need it. You can bring out the fight in us for those daily battles so we can truly shepherd your people. We don't fight people, God. We fight the principalities and in the spirit for salvations, for your righteousness, for our hearts, to surrender them to you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.